I'm Claire. And I'm Liz. And this is The Balancing Act, a podcast where we talk about law, life, and everything in between. In this week's installment of The Balancing Act, we're going to be talking about initial tech needs or what initial tech things you at least want to think about, if not definitely need, to start your practice. And I think there's a a big trend the whole time that we've been practicing towards technology and the law, lawyers and technology. And so I know that for a lot of people who maybe not maybe aren't super tech savvy, it almost sounds intimidating to be thinking of setting up a law office with technology. Yeah, and I think you should view technology as a benefit and a friend and a time saver, but there's a learning curve with that. So once you can figure out how it works for you, it can be very beneficial. I agree. And also, don't let it scare you and don't let it stand in your way and don't make it the only thing that you focus on when you're trying to set up your law practice because you don't need to dump a bunch of money into that right away if it's not what you want to do. Right. If it's not something you feel comfortable with, start off with basic and then you can always upgrade. It's always easier to upgrade later than to overwhelm yourself at first with anything, but I think especially technology related. I think the big thing that all attorneys need is a laptop or some sort of computer system that you need. And I know what I started off with was just um, a laptop and I'd go back and forth from working in my office to working at home and I'd just bring the laptop back and forth and I'd have a monitor up to have like a bigger screen. I did the exact same thing and how I knew that I was growing up in my practice was when I decided I wanted to have a desktop at my office and leave my laptop at my house so I wasn't carrying them back and forth. And I actually did the opposite. I got a <laughs> desktop at home and I kept my laptop at the office so that if I needed to bring the laptop to like a client meeting or that makes continuing sense. a thing, I had that. So I think... You know, having some sort of, whether it's a desktop or a laptop, you need some sort of computing system. And then you definitely need the printer scanner. Again, it doesn't have to be the most fanciest device ever, but you're going to need to print things like retainer contracts and documents that your clients are going to sign. And you're also going to need to scan things either for like e-filing or when your client brings in documents for you to look at. You're either going to want to make copies of them or you're going to scan them into your system. Yeah. I mean, we both started practicing before e-filing took over across the state of Minnesota. Um, And so certainly it's common practice now. But even with having everything technology related, I have found, especially with wills, people can look at things on a computer all of the time and say, oh, everything looks good. But when it's in a paper copy in front of them, then all of a sudden they realize their middle name is spelled wrong or (laughs) Uh um, some other major change needs to happen. So I think you still need something to be able to print off. I I agree 100%. Anytime that um, I'm going to have clients sign a final document or we're reviewing their bankruptcy petition, I always print that out on paper and we go through it page by page, line by line. And you absolutely, for whatever reason, notice things when it's on paper that you wouldn't notice when it's on your screen. So 
100% agree. Even though we are moving more electronic, there's something about paper. Well, and I think too, like my first printer was like a printer scanner combination. So it wasn't anything like big or expensive or high tech. And then later on, I went to having separate printer and scanner devices. But I think to start off, you could definitely do some sort of low-tech mm-hmm. combination. Yep, you don't you don't need to start out with the fanciest. Just start out with what you can afford or what you already have, and then you'll yeah. see what will make sense in your practice as you move along. And there certainly could be other practices out there that use paper more or less than our practices, too. Absolutely. Um, and so, depending on or where you practice, there might be a greater need or less need for paper. For sure. And then... You need some sort of phone, right? You need or a phone number. Yes, you, have, you absolutely need a phone number because that's how people will call you. How did you get a phone number for your law practice, Claire? So my initial phone number and current phone number is still a Google Voice number um, that I just have patched through to my cell phone. So I can just see when somebody calls in that it's they're either calling my business or my personal line. And so they're both on one device. Perfect. I um, started out with a Google Voice number as well, and I didn't initially understand completely how it worked, but I knew that I went through to my cell phone. And then from there, I got it so the Google Voice would go to like a Vonage phone line. And then I finally decided that I was going to upgrade or downgrade, depending on how you think of it, to just having it be a cell phone. And I have noticed that even... so. My practice started in 2010. Probably in the last three years, I've noticed that I get a lot more text messages from clients and that a lot of clients prefer to try to send text messages. I don't know. Is that the case for you, Claire? Um, So I can get text messages through my Google Mm -hmm. Voice number. And I have noticed that it's the age of the client that has more to play with whether they attempt to text. That makes sense. Than necessarily... Because I had clients even from the beginning try and text me, but I think if your client is, let's say, 22 or younger, <laughs> they're going to probably text you more than than older clients. That makes sense. And then do you have um, internet in your office? Yeah. So initially when I first started my office, uh, my practice, I had a hotspot that I paid for, but now I have internet as just part of my office package that my office space allows for. But I liked the hotspot because I didn't have it on all the time, and Mm -hmm. I would, like, block out my time where I'd be online and checking email, and then time when I wouldn't be, so that I could just focus on drafting documents or researching or whatever the case might be. When I first started out, I didn't have internet in my office, and it wasn't necessary exactly at the point because we weren't doing as much e-filing. Yeah. And so what I would do is do any work in my office, and then I'd have to drive home to use the internet. And I did that mostly because I didn't know how sustainable having my own practice was going to be, so I didn't want to lock into an internet contract. A 12-month contract? Yes. Yes, because anytime 
that you're looking at getting some sort of business-related expense like internet, it's never as cheap as what you're going to get at your house, and they're going to want to lock you into a special business contract. So eventually, after I had had my practice for probably about a year, I did end up getting internet in my office. And I like what Claire said about how the hotspot helped her manage time. Um, I do find that sometimes it's hard not to get distracted by emails coming in or other internet things when I'm trying to get work done. Social media. Yes, social media. Um, And so I kind of sometimes miss not having internet, but there really isn't a great way to do that. Yeah, I think, and perhaps you did this too, but initially I had a fax number too to start off with because fax filing with courts even fact filing with clients mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was a thing uh-huh. when I opened I no longer have a fax number because it just wasn't worth it mm-hmm. to keep the fax number I wasn't getting enough faxes or having enough people want to fax me <laughs> but uh-huh. you know I think that was more of a, a sign of the times so to speak I still have a fax number it's an e-fax number and certain clients depending on like maybe I don't know if it's like income level or age but some of my clients don't have computer access or internet Mm -hmm. access they um, will usually call me on some sort of cellular phone and so I could send them like a text message to remind them of an appointment for example but if I'm trying to get documents from them or information from them they usually, like, their employer would have a fax, and so they can, like, fax me documents I need from their employer. So I still do use fax, not as much as I used to, and we're obviously not filing with a court using fax anymore, but I do have a decent amount of clients who fax me, which luckily my fax is only $9.99 a month. (laughs) (laughs) And it comes to my email. (laughs) Yeah. Usually clients will like go to the library for me and like scan and email documents if they need to. Otherwise, I still have a fair amount of clients that just will like either drop them off or mail them. That makes sense to yeah. me. But and that also might be even like a geographic thing, mm-hmm. I wonder too. Yeah. Not that our practices are that far apart geographically, but I do wonder if mm-hmm. the facts is a geographic thing too maybe I don't know and then there are some um so like doing bankruptcy law I do send faxes to some creditors in all honesty or some creditor law firms because I don't always have a clear email address to send something Mm. to someone there and if I mail something like I'll usually fax it and mail it to really cover my butt or cover my behind but I do still need a fax for that but for family law I don't remember the last time I've needed to really fax another family law attorney because we would just email, right? Yeah. 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 So what other type of software do you have with your practice other than, I mean, obviously you have email. Yeah. But what other type of software or electronics do you use on a daily basis? I have Time59, which I use as billing software, and it's meant more for a solo attorney. I know a lot of attorneys also use Clio for billing, but for me, using Time59 works well. I have the Microsoft Office suite, so like Word, uh, Excel. I don't really use PowerPoint very often in my practice. And then for 
my or practice specific software, I use uh, software for bankruptcy because we need to put the petition together using specific software. So I have that. Claire, what do you use to keep track of appointments? I use like Google everything. I'm pretty integrated with Google. So like my email is Google. It's a Google email, even though it says uh, at trolleylaw.com. It's really a like Gmail. I use Gmail for calendaring. I use Google for client conflicts checks. I have a Google spreadsheet that I put in different contacts that I've had with people. And then that's how I do my conflicts check. It's also how I track who hires me and when they hire me. But that's what I use for a lot. I've also used Google for like Google forms for people to contact me that way too. And so I'm, I'm a Google lover. What can I say? (laughs) I do. I use Google a lot as well. I do the Google calendar. Same with my email address. Do you subscribe to anything to do legal research? No, our our bar association has a free legal research option as bar members, which is called Fastcase. I use that, but I also will go to the law library. Minnesota has a ton of law libraries. Mm-hmm. And so, especially when I first started my practice and I feel as though I had more free time, uh, no kids, uh, less clients, I would, and more questions, I would go to different law libraries to do research because the law librarians were helpful and there was a ton of information that I could use to either look up cases or even like check out different like reference books. I agree. I use the law library as well. I haven't in the last couple of years but before that the dakota county law library very helpful i think like i went all the way to the washington county one because i found that it was well farther to get to had a better parking lot (laughs) and more helpful staff than um law libraries that were closer to me and usually the law libraries at least they used to have like westlaw or lexus and so If for some reason you couldn't find something doing the legal research through your bar association membership to Fastcase or looking even on the Minnesota courts websites where they have the cases or the archives of those cases, um, you could go to get access to those there if you're not going to subscribe to Westlaw or Lexis Nexus, which I personally don't. It would be an unneeded expense for yeah, my practice. I agree. Maybe other practice areas you need to have access to that, but not in my practice areas. Another place I think people could look to, too, is if they're still practicing in the same area where they went to law school, certainly going back to your law school to get mm-hmm. help with a specific research question. I know I would see that sometimes when I was a law student. A yeah, lot coming that. in and, like, researching a very, like... There's a very specific narrow topic mm-hmm. to look up. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think at least to start off, that's pretty much what mm-hmm. you need. Thanks for listening to the Balancing Act today. If you want to get in contact with Liz or Claire or have any questions for us, please visit us at our websites. You can reach Liz at www.sharemaclaw.com or 
claire at www.trellylaw.com. Thanks.